Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man back. Major Travis Yates, a Tulsa PD commander. TravisYates.org is the website. He's got a great podcast, too. It's called Courageous Leadership. Travis, how are you? Good to see you. Joe, it's great to be back, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. I appreciate you asking. So you sent us a, a text the other night, and there's some, some topics that you're very, very concerned about, as well you should be. See, here's the weird thing for me, and I want to ask you this right up front. There's this push by the left, Gavin Newsom's out in front now in California saying this, to take away our Second Amendment right, to say that I shouldn't be able to protect myself, my family, my stuff. And when you say, well, what, well who's going to protect me then? He'll say, and they'll say, the government, police will. But Travis, these are the same people who hate the police and keep on complaining about the police and defund the police. So what am I supposed to think? I shouldn't be able to protect myself, and then people like you shouldn't be able to protect me either because somehow, in a very generic way, police are somehow bad. How do we counterbalance that? Well, first off, don't give up your rights. That's a big red red flag when they start talking about First Amendment and Second Amendment. You know, as young as our founding fathers were a few hundred years ago, amazing that they sort of saw into the future to see what we would be battling right here today. I mean, this is tremendous. It's a, it's a time in history, Joe, where every citizen needs to play a role. No, the government's not going to protect you. I could give you hours of examples of how they do the opposite. And when any politician starts talking about getting rid of anything, any part of our rights or our Bill of Rights, we ought to be yelling from the hilltop. So yeah. now is the time for every citizen to stand up. When it comes to vilifying the police, did this start with Obama and Eric Holder and Ferguson, Missouri? Which, by the way, that cop was exonerated, did nothing wrong. He was being attacked and he defended himself. And Michael Brown caused his own death. But is that the first time? Because after that, the DOJ sent in a team to go find all the racism in the police yeah. department there to, to sort of make a point. Is that, is, is that what we can point to as where this began? Well, it's really where it came to everyone's attention, but it really began in 1994 in the crime bill supported and endorsed by now President Joe Biden, where right. they gave the federal government the authority to go into local law enforcement and put consent decrees on them. And they've gone into roughly 17 cities since then and literally destroyed communities, destroyed cities. No one's going to go on a vacation in Chicago, Seattle, Portland. I could go on and on. These are all cities that's been in their consent decree for well over a decade. And now they want to run the great city of Phoenix, which I personally love because they have more golf courses than I have kids. Yeah. And uh, which is a lot. And uh, and I'm kind of raising the red flag because they have not done it yet, but they've been investigating them for two years uh, and they're about to come out with their findings, I believe, Joe. And they're going to probably do it, I would say, either late this year in the spring, well before the election. But but, 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 but before you continue, what is a consent decree? What does that do? Yeah, a consent decree gives uh, the Department of Justice the authority over local law enforcement if they deem there to be a pattern and practice of discriminatory policing. Now, the bill does not define what a pattern and practice is because they don't go in to investigate other federal agencies. They don't investigate sheriff's departments. They kind of find a politically charged agency where they have willing partners, usually a mayor or politicians or a chief okay. that says, go ahead and come in here. Every consent decree that's been put in place uh, has been put in place voluntarily by the city, which is crazy because how the DOJ has done it and how they'll do it in Phoenix is, is they'll go in front of the politicians and they'll say, we've completed our investigation. We have some concerns on pattern and practice. So sign this document, letting us have control of your agency before they get to see the evidence. And you have cities like Minneapolis and Louisville specifically that just did this. And then they come out with the findings and Louisville's going, hold on here. How did you come up with this, this, these, this methodology? And the DOJ right. says, not going to tell you. The citizens in Louisville read their consent decree and said, you're saying all these officers are violating federal law. How come you're not arresting and arresting them? And the DOJ goes, we're not going to tell you. And so it's just kind of done in secrecy. So it's kind of done in secrecy. And then by the time it's out, it's destroyed. And what it really is, Joe, is it's a side door to federalize law enforcement. And yeah. nothing gets better when you federalize everything. And it's also a huge money grab. The monitor, they put together a monitor that's over these police departments that says whether they're doing right or wrong. The monitor in Chicago is making over a million dollars to write four reports a year wow. on how the department's doing. So there's a big money grab going on, and they're trying to do it in Phoenix now. But the problem is it's really done in a veil of secrecy. 
before it's done. And what I'm trying to say is, is don't enter into any agreement with anybody, whether you're buying a car, a house, or an agreement with the Department of Justice, before you read and vet the evidence. Because I believe under scrutiny, anything the DOJ does, considering law enforcement, won't hold up. Well, what's interesting is I had never heard of these consent uh, decrees before, but I'm guessing that's what Holder and the DOJ then did with yep. Ferguson, Missouri. They basically, they basically took it over, and I think their findings were they were giving more traffic tickets to black people than white people or something, which didn't make any sense. Uh, but they had to find something wrong because the cop, again, didn't do anything wrong when he came to the death of Michael Brown. But but I just want to make sure I understand the, mechan- the mechanisms of how this works. The DOJ comes in, says, hey, Phoenix, we're going to check and see how you're doing. And then they say, okay, sign this consent decree, and we'll tell you a little bit more after you sign it. And the city of Phoenix doesn't have to sign it, do they? Yeah, what, what any city should do, if anybody accuses them of wrongdoing, is they should say, okay, let's vet, the ev- let's vet the evidence in front of a federal judge. You yeah. show your evidence, we'll show our evidence, and we'll let the federal judge make the decision. Two cities since 1994 have done that, Joe, and the DOJ ran back to Washington, D.C. They wow. can't vet the evidence because every consent decree starts off the same way. You just alluded to it. They'll take years and years of data. In Phoenix, for example, they make over they have over 2 million 911 calls a year, so multiple millions of citizen contacts a year. They right. take 7 to 10 years of all that information, and they'll find a few instances that they'll say is wrong and not even tell what the department did about it. Because in many t- cases, like in Louisville, some of the officers were fired, and the DOJ used that as a reason to come into Louisville, even though the department recognized it was wrong. And – and they'll say this at the very first of every consent decree. They'll take the police activity. We talked about this here before. They take the police activity and they'll say, oh, you made more arrests against African-Americans in population or you made more searches against African-Americans in population. That's not how you that's not how you can utilize data against law enforcement. Law enforcement's activity is perfectly correlated to criminal activity. Yes. So if you compare criminal activity to law enforcement contacts, they're going to be de- dead even in every city I've ever looked at the DOJ will not do it that way because it will not come to the findings they want so they use this metric that is really no researcher in their right mind would ever use a metric like that but that's what they use to justify this so in other words if in fact there is and I don't have the numbers in front of me more crime being committed by black people than other than black people and therefore you've got more arrests of people who happen to be black even though the population number is lower than the arrest rate you're somehow in trouble because you're arresting people (laughs) who are actually committing the crimes really yeah in Louisville in Louisville the violent crimes committed by about 78% African-Americans, and the population is much lower than that. Right. The DOJ used that, that their stops were more than a population, ignoring the fact that what crime is. Joe, law enforcement doesn't predicate who commits crime. We just respond to crime. And there's right. a lot of societal issues that cause that, and I would love to be able to fix that and correct that. But that's not the job of a police officer. Their, right. their job is to protect citizens, and they don't determine who commits crime. They're just supposed to respond to it. So it's really unfair. It's amazing that national police organizations have not pointed this out. The police chiefs sort of bend over for this. Politicians bend over for this. But what I'm saying is if Phoenix goes this route without letting the evidence be vetted, Everybody in that city in a leadership position should be held accountable because that city is about to get much more dangerous. Roland Fryer came out with research. He's an esteemed Harvard professor, uh, happens to be an African-American guy. He said since the consent decrees have been implemented, there's been 900 plus more homicides and violence has increased dramatically across the country because of consent decrees. And you can read that research right there online. Is it, Travis, because police are afraid to enforce? Uh, Do they have to now go out with the mindset going, oh, damn it, it it is a crime, but he's black, so I better back off. I mean, does that change your mindset out there? Well, what happens under consent decree is departments' morale tanks. Uh, they're placed under a ton of rules, a ton of guidelines. Officers are scared to death, so contacts are going to be less. Recruiting suffers dramatically, and so there's not enough officers on the street 
increase to do it. And all that all that does is, is make crime go higher. And every city where the DOJ's landed, crime has gone higher. We have 30 plus years of data to show this. And I think it's enough for anybody that's facing the DOJ's consent decree status, so to speak, is to at least say, OK, let's vet this evidence before we agree to it. Because, by the way, Minneapolis just added twenty five million dollars to their annual budget to pay for their consent decree. Now, that is crazy. Do you know how many police officers you could hire, how many social services you could fund with that kind of money? And so these consent decrees last for decades because if you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to run them, you're going to and you're the guy that says it's time to end it. You're never going to say it's time to end it. No, I, I'm with you. Why? Once the money starts, it's very hard to stop the money. When it comes to Minneapolis, that's one of my my first syndicated um, cities. We're on uh, News Talk um, uh, Twin Cities News Talk 1130, and and that city council is so screwed. And here's what I mean: they've been attacking police, trying to defund the police. Keith Ellison, who's the attorney general, is a radical leftist. He's an Antifa fan. His son is on the city council, I believe. And they have done all they can to harm police. And then when crime ticked up, what did they do? They called the police chief in and said, why is crime higher? Right. And, and right. Travis, again, I want to go back to the mindset because I'm not a police officer. You're somebody who's not only a police officer, but you're a longtime training officer. How do you get through to somebody who's out there on the streets just trying to stop crime and keep people safe? How do you let them know that the city council doesn't have your back, the AG doesn't have your back, but go out and do a good job? Well, it's almost impossible, Joe. Anybody listening to this that has any job that works for a boss, if you go to work every day and you know that boss – is not going to support you, is not going to have your back. You know that maybe your customers are going to call you a racist just like that for doing your job. How proactive are you going to be at doing your job? How good are you going to be at doing your job? This is common sense. Nobody in their right mind will work any job if they don't feel supported. And obviously law enforcement across the country in certain cities feel that way. And that's what will come for Phoenix if the DOJ comes into town. And by the way, I'm not saying ignore the DOJ. I'm saying Let's look at the evidence first and make sure that it's been done the correct way. And I have a feeling if it's like every other city they've been to, this is done in secrecy. It's interesting, Joe, you talk about you've never heard of it. That's one of the ways the DLJ gets away with this. Yeah. Is this is all done in secrecy, and, and they're not, they don't tell the community anything, and they just implement it, and then all of a sudden everything goes to hell, and the community is rightfully confused. What I'm saying is you've got to get ahead of this and vet this before you move forward. He's got a great podcast. It's called Courageous Leadership. His name is uh, Major Travis Yates. Go to TravisYates.org and go check out everything that he does. Uh, let me let me ask you just very specifically about this again. So I'm not sure that I either I wasn't listening very well or I didn't hear it. Can Phoenix say no to signing a, a consent decree? The DOJ comes in and says, here, we found a bunch of stuff. Sign this a consent decree. Can the PD say no? Can the city say no? Yeah, absolutely. Local law enforcement is not bound by the federal government. Okay. We have we have states' rights. States can act, act independently. Cities can act independently from the federal government. There's a and thank goodness they can. By the way, what the, what city of Phoenix can do is what those two other cities have done is they said, okay, show us the evidence. Okay. Well, we have some evidence that sort of counters this. Like we, your methodology here doesn't seem quite right. They can go in front of a federal judge. The case can be presented in front of a federal judge, and the city of Phoenix can defend their city as they should if they haven't done anything wrong, and then the judge would decide that. Now, that has never been done successfully. In fact, I don't know if the DOJ ever taken their case to a judge because, quite frankly, in the past, they just couldn't. The, it was, the evidence was so flimsy. Right. Uh, and so, But what the DOJ does is it's, it's done by intimidation. It's scary. The DOJ's in town. The politicians sort of cave in. And then you have on the other side really, really dirty stuff is, is you've got people inside the city of Phoenix that want this to happen because the money starts flowing. If right. you're a chief of police, you know that, the money, that you're going to get a huge line item budget to buy 
bunch of stuff. By the way, the interim chief in Phoenix came from Baltimore under their DLJ consent decree. That's a great Imagine city that. to be in, right? Yeah. And the, he's hired an attorney that has all kinds of DLJ connections that they're paying $91,000 a year to so-called defend the Phoenix Police Department. So the the fix, I'm afraid, could be in, but who yeah. could stop this? Or the politicians have to make the decision. So there's a city council there in Phoenix that needs to look at this and go, do we want to be responsible for this, just signing off on this without the evidence being proven? What Phoenix should do is make the DLJ prove their case. Yeah, we've got a great affiliate in Phoenix. So those of you listening in Phoenix, make sure that you make your voice heard to the city council. It's Major uh, Travis Shates. Travis, about a minute, maybe a minute and a half on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I know that we've got a, a big election yeah. cycle next um, next year. He's been turned down by this administration for Secret Service protection. And I guess there was just somebody who was threatening his life. Uh, what do you have on this? Yeah, Joe, I will tell you right now, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. The fact that the media is not sounding the bullhorn on this. First off, he's the number two presidential candidate on the Democratic side. Regardless how far behind he is, oh, Joe, right. he's the number two candidate. Secondly, his last name is Kennedy. Okay, this doesn't take a rocket scientist here. Thirdly, he's had real death threats. He had someone break into his home, and he just had a guy carrying weapons into his rally on Friday of last week that said he was with the U.S. Marshal's office. He wasn't, was then arrested by LAPD. This, wow. this gentleman is under a real threat, and the fact that for the first time in history, the White House has denied him Secret Service protection. Before Friday, I would have said it was politics, Joe. They want to make him spend his own money because he's using Gavin and DeBecker and Associates. It's really right. Security firm. I, I would use them too if I thought my life was in jeopardy. Right. And so, but after Friday, if they continue to deny him Secret Service protection, there's no other way to look at it than the Biden administration wants him harmed. I don't know any other way to look at it because it defies common sense. And I cannot believe uh, the evil of the news media that's not calling them out on this because this is insanity that, it, first off, a candidate named Kennedy running for president does not get protection by our own government. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, his father and his uncle obviously assassinated. Yeah. And uh, and as you're watching the complicit media, they're in the pockets of the DNC. The DNC is calling the shots, and the media won't call them out. That's why we will call them out here. Travis, I appreciate you. It is uh, Major Travis Yates, Tulsa PD commander. Go to um, TravisYates.org. Check out his great podcast, Courageous Leadership. He also writes these great articles as well over on the on the website, lawofficer.com. Travis, thanks a million. Let's do it again soon. Thank you, Joe. All right, brother. Appreciate you. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. We appreciate uh, Travis coming on, giving us insight into stuff that's going on. What bothers me, and this has bothered me my entire life, way before I was in media, just bothers me that government can do things and we have no idea what's going on. Some consent decree, really? And police departments across the country are actually consenting to the federal government taking over law enforcement capability in their cities, and that's it. Once they get it, it's done. And they're doing it by pushing all sorts of money towards these cities. They're buying the ability to have a centralized federal government oversight or complete operation where it shouldn't be happening. Cities and states should not be ceding their own independence to the central government in Washington. That makes for a non-federalist system. A federalist system is where states have rights. And they were always intended to have individual rights from one another and separate from the federal government. More and more after the 14th Amendment, the federal government's been taking more of this power. And it sounds like these cities are allowing it to happen. You've got to put your feet down as residents and say, stop it. If you're in Phoenix, say, stop it. If you're in Minneapolis, you shouldn't have let it happen to begin with. All right, I want to remind you about social media. Go to JoePags.com and sign up for all the social media. You can find it easily on X. 
on Instagram, on Facebook. It's all Joe Talk Show. On YouTube, Joe Talk Show. It's my first name, then Talk Show. If you want to find it on TikTok, it's Joe Pags, J-O-E-P-A-G-S. On Truth, it's also Joe Pags. On Getter, it's Joe Talk Show. So bottom line is this. If it's at J-O-E-P-A-G-S and it's verified, it's probably me. If it's at Joe Talk Show, it's definitely me. And they're all verified, the ones that are Joe Talk Show. So go and do that right now. I do these short videos, short and sweet, to the point. You can spread them around. Do whatever you want to do in pop culture. Pop. Dirty pop. Hi, Paula. What's going on, bro? So did you see this uh, story with Trump Jr.? I did. And, I mean, I knew it was fake right away because of what it said. But go ahead. Yeah, so apparently Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, Twitter got hacked, and I guess somebody got in there and was basically tweeting out things that weren't from him, like saying that his father had passed away and that he would be running for president in 2024. I mean... That gave it away right there. Yeah. If, if they would have just said that, he, that his father died, people right. would have believed it for a while. But I'm now running next year? Yeah. I mean, that kind of gave it away, didn't it? Yeah, it's kind of dumb. So he's gotten it back, and his brother Eric actually is making fun of him on Twitter all day. So I appreciate that. All right, Polo, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow night. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.